0: How many points do I have to make that don't add up? How many other people do I have to bring in this conversation that do not back up Rob's? And you can't say that's his version of the story because we're not talking about two versions of the same story again. We're talking about two wildly different stories. Again, it's these pesky little details that are just going to continue to haunt Rob. There's no way he ever thought a tier one operator was going to come around and nitpick his story for truth, he's not prepared for this.
1: All right, everybody, let's so do this. W- welcome to a very special episode of the anti hero Podcast, where we're finally doing a Rob O'Neill breakdown from the uh, our our uh, was our was our original episode that had nothing to do with Rob O'Neill. Nothing. Um, what had happened was is that. Brent spoke about something that about Rob O'Neill for about two minutes. I cropped that into a clip, and I'm not going to lie, I knew exactly what I was doing, and that clip went viral. So viral that it made it to Rob O'Neill's phone. Somebody sent it to him. So, um, Brent, sorry about that.
0: (laughs) Uh, It happens, and then, you know, and uh, again... It upset a lot of people because it was a very short clip. Well, it was a very short clip because, again, that's not what the episode no. was about. It <laughs> was not even a portion um, of the episode. Uh, and then at the end of the day, uh, I said it. I said what I said. I said it under the uh, you know the background of me being a tier one operator for a decade and it being very common knowledge in my profession. And it really took me, uh, took me back a little bit of how many people's feelings uh, that hurt. Uh, and, uh, and, and when they were like, a lot of them were, uh, upset that I didn't come with enough evidence or I just said it and left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're right. Uh, I said it. And so now I have to come back and back it up
1: with us today is a retired law enforcement officer, Mike Ruggiero. He did 35 years, um, in law enforcement and he has everything under his belt major crimes sex crimes internal affairs homicide Um, so mike would you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: uh well like you said 35 years in law enforcement i retired about a year and a half ago but for about uh 20 years i've been also an instructor in various topics including uh interview and interrogation and aspects of detecting deception uh, and as you can see, as you have there, I I also wrote a book on uh, detecting deception called "Uncover the Truth."
0: Yeah, he, he wrote the book about it. Yeah, I so I think, think we got I think w- w- we call that an, an expert in this field.
1: Yeah, Brent brought up a good point. Um, we don't, you know, we're 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 a little limited on the amount of proof that we can bring to this podcast about this issue. Not true. Well, that's well, we were at the time. Yes. Um, so. With Brent's investigation and with Mike's help we're going to look at some videos of uh, Rob O'Neill his testimonies that differ in so many ways every time he tells it uh, and some people that are close to Rob and are close to his peers on the SEAL teams and uh, going to hopefully uh,
0: shed light at, at the bare minimum yeah, hey, I, going down this road, uh, you know, from what I thought I knew, based off of people with a lot of first first hand experience, uh, you know, with the type of insider knowledge I had of this, uh, digging into this, I learned a lot. I learned a lot more than I than I thought I would uh, learn on this. There's a lot to uncover. So a lot of people are,
1: they just ask. This this is, the, and I get it. You're an American. Bin Laden's dead. I 100% understand this. But the biggest question that we were getting is why does it matter? Why does it matter who killed Bin Laden? Bin Laden's dead.
0: I think that question probably blows my mind the most. Um, I, I don't know when the truth stopped mattering in America. Um, if, if you give the, the sports analogy of this, if Tom Brady throws the game-winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, which is what this was, this was a Super Bowl of Special Operations Missions, this was the touchdown pass that won the game, and the backup quarterback goes on a on a uh, on a tour, saying that he threw the pass and makes millions of dollars on it, and none of his teammates ever come out and say anything publicly against it. America would be in an uproar. Could you, now that scenario doesn't even happen yet. That seems to be the exact scenario that that we have. So, of course, it matters.
1: Yeah, and you know. A lot of people are also saying, well, if you weren't there, not particularly you, but anybody that wasn't there shouldn't speak
0: on it. That's that's an interesting viewpoint. Um, I have an opinion about OJ Simpson and I wasn't there. Mike, do you have an opinion about OJ Simpson?
2: Uh, Sure. Yes, I do. You weren't
0: there. How dare you? Right. Was was the innocent or guilty? Do you dare make a a claim on, on what you think about it?
2: Yes, you do. So based
0: on the evidence that you have. Interesting.
1: I thought he was gonna say he was. Wouldn't that be crazy if he was in it? <laughs> <be innocent. laughs> yeah,
0: I, I wasn't in Vietnam. I have an opinion on Vietnam. Yeah. That that has never stopped anyone from having. Cops aren't there when they solve crimes. Right. Yet they have an opinion on the crime based on the evidence that they. Based collect. on the
2: investigation, sure. Yeah.
0: So it's so that to me that those those are very narrow and people whose minds will probably never change. Yeah. They they, it's their truth, they don't want to know any different, and uh, there's nothing we can do about those people. Well, like, what we were talking about earlier, only in any profession,
1: the only people that really can call someone out, and really are allowed to, are people in those professions, right? Like, I, uh, this whole thing was very hard for me, because I'm not in that community, never was in that community. Um, A lot of people ask me, like, you know, oh, you're, you know, he's an American hero and stuff, and, and this... But I feel the same way as, like, law enforcement. Like, I jokingly call out a lot of cops, you know, cops that don't do, the, don't do a very good service to the badge, aren't there on law, they're selfish, they dance, you know, all that yeah. stuff. You know, but it'd be the same thing as if, like, in, in my career field, right, let's say, this is a very routine call, I respond, little kid, not breathing, CPR. Yeah. I do CPR for a couple minutes until my buddy gets there because we're still beating fire department. <laughs> and I go, hey, man, ta- I'm going to tag you in. I tag yeah. him in, right? So I get up and go do something else while FD shows up. Well, camera footage, everything is my backup given CPR, right? So, okay. Now, let's say that this case blows up. Maybe it was somebody's child that was very important, right? So now, um, this guy, what if What if he was the one that gets the award for the life-saving CPR even though I had brought... Right? I'm not going to care that much to be the one where I'm like no 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 that was me that was me I'm going to be silent I'm going to be a silent professional about it and let this person decide whether or not they want to do the right thing right so
0: you know well there's 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 more that's a good analogy but there's even there's there's a lot more to it than this you know when I talk to a lot of former members uh of of SEAL Team 6 and they they reached out to me and said, man, I really appreciate uh, what you said. Everyone knows that, that that's the truth. Thanks for doing it. And I would say, awesome. You want to come help me out on this, uh, on this interview? Uh, they have, they're like, well, you can talk about that mission. That wasn't your mission. You're not going to get PNG from your command talking about another mission What's PNG persona non grata. It means you are no longer allowed to come back to the command. You can't step foot on the command and once a year, uh, you know, they, they have people, you know, come back. And there's certain occasions that people can come back to the command. Uh, even if you spent 10, 15, 20 years there, you just can't go back to the command and, and hang out with with the boys like you can kind of as, as a police officer. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's a top secret unit. You, we were- you're you not going anywhere. But this one time, you know, or these few times you can, people relish that. And to have that pulled from you, and if you talk... It means a lot to people, and it also yeah. means their um, their reputation is on the line, uh, and so they're they're not going to talk about it for those reasons. Rob O'Neill's P and G'd and can't go back to the command. He is, yeah, uh, he is. Okay, um, and and th- and they they're not going to chance that. So so th- they're not going. So
1: Rob O'Neill's teammates or maybe not people that are mission but people that knew all about it and all the details they're not going to risk getting PNG coming out with this it's not worth it
0: to them it's not worth it to them in fact it got so serious uh yep years ago when this you know when he first came out they were told not to have any contact with him and if you do there would be um uh, there would be punishments and one guy let him stay at his house and lost and and lost his team over he was a team leader and they said nope you're not making good decisions you're hanging out with Robin and or, you know we're we're going to pull your team, so uh, he is not in good standing at uh, at mm. at at the command. Um, so for and and we'll, terms, we're going to lay out all the reasons why he's not. He's
1: denounced from the community.
0: He'll come out and argue and say, yeah, well the uh, the craven you know backed it up, and I I I put it to you know my book was approved. Um, by DOD, those things. The people who know the story best and who know what's uh, what shouldn't be talked about is, as always, isn't those high level commands. It's it's the the first level command, which is the unit that he worked for. They PNG'd them. Um, the only thing they're looking at at a DOD level is revealing top secret information. They're not going through and validating the right. the story. They're right. just looking for specific uh things. Uh and I forget was McCraven or what whatever high official that he's gonna come and say, well he validated my story. Um generals and admirals know the least about what's happening on the ground <laughs> and we're gonna tell a bunch of stories about the ground truth and that's pretty sure that's what everyone's gonna go with. Yeah, so
1: a lot of this tonight is going to be uh we have to talk about rob's version of the story multiple versions of the story because we have to dissect it so when we're talking about how rob was the only guy in the room or rob was doing this or rob did this rob didn't do most of it but in order for us to dissect his argument and prove that he's not being truthful we have to talk about that so um you know you know personally a lot of the guys that we're on, and I'm going to sound like a civilian, but SEAL Team Six. Yeah, you know.
0: I I I know, I know a handful of those guys. You know, I I was on jump trips with them. You know, some of them were, uh, were on combat missions uh, with me. Um, I've been on large training exercises with them. Um, you know, I still run across them in the contracting world when I when I still do contracts. Uh, so I, I don't know all of them. Uh, by by any means but uh, I can assure you I know a lot more of them than our listeners and <laughs> I, and that's going to sound like a jerk but but that's that's just the truth that's why you know again I'm a tier 1 operator I'm friends with those guys I've heard their their version of the story guys that were on target guys that heard it firsthand and never once never once did any of them say you know what not a big fan of him but but Rob O'Neill was the shooter and that's the truth never once yeah. i said it a lot um, different when i was like ah oh, they just didn't say that you know you know that that uh, like oh yeah i i know him he didn't give him the the good guy you know comment because that that snippet wasn't about this so i didn't go deep enough you know i wasn't looking to defend that comment off that mm-hmm. i will tell you of all of the ones I've ever spoken to about this, and this topic always gets brought up. Never once did anyone corroborate Rob's version, um, and and I and I know that. So,
1: in our comment sections, just like you said, people were talking like they know um, some of these guys. You know, th- these guys will be the first one to tell you they're human beings, so they're not celebrities. They're not. They're being praised as celebrities in the comment section. I, I think rightfully so. Um, but one of them, everybody says was there and knows everything is DJ Shipley. And some people are saying that he's actually the shooter. And I don't know much about him other than the stuff I've seen, but are you, you know who he is?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny you bring up D- DJ is one of the guys I know. DJ is a friend of mine. I can reach out to DJ anytime. Um, DJ w- was in in that troupe. Uh, he's out in the spotlight. You know, he... he uh, he talks about it, uh, or he talks about, you know, being from the command and, and training, uh, DJ's a great dude. Um, DJ is, as was, I can tell you, uh, did not shoot Osama bin Laden. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's been on record saying that, that he didn't, uh, and that he wasn't even on the mission. Uh, in fact, I can tell you personally from talking to DJ, cause like I said, this, this conversation comes up all the time when, you know. A Delta Force guy and a SEAL Team Six guy get together. It's just a you know a, a common ground to, to talk about. And um, he was in, in Red Squadron. He was in Red Squadron at the time, but he wasn't he wasn't even on the mission. Like I said, if, and if uh, if anyone who's out there commenting commenting that, I'm pretty sure he's come out publicly and said that. So you can just Google that, <laughs> or go ask him. He's not hard to find.
1: All right, so we're gonna move into who says different.
0: Who has publicly came out. And at least said uh, about Rob's story. Well, there's one thing I want to do before we get into it. I want to I want to delineate, you know, what what I'm doing here and what I'm trying to say about Rob. Rob is an American war hero. I'm not taking that away from Rob. Rob has two silver stars. One from the raid from UBL. He didn't get the Silver Star for shooting UBL. Everyone on that it was a mission award that that, that everyone got and rightfully so. Uh, but his truly valorous Silver Star, uh, anytime his you know, that silver star gets brought up in some sort of conversation, every guy says he was a hero that day. He was badass here on that silver star. I have you know, he served his country honorably as a White Side SEAL member. Uh, He served his country honorably as a tier one operator, which is an amazing feat that should never be taken away from him. I do not have a problem with, I'm I'm not saying he was dishonest in this one piece of one mission the guy was on and 399 missions of everything else that he's done is crap. And I just want to make that absolutely clear. I'm not, I'm not here to personally break him you know break him down as a man. I, I, but at the end of the day, you can do all those things and be that amazing, but it does not give you the right to take away valor from someone else on a mission and make millions of dollars on something you didn't do. And that has to be corrected. So I want everyone to know that. This isn't personal. I don't even know Rob, but this is the right thing to do. So, that being said, um, you, know, you said there was a lot of people that seemed to be taken back that this was the first time they had ever heard that Rob O'Neill was not the guy who shot Osama bin Laden. Wait, wait let me. Ask. Did did you have anything? Did you know anything
1: about this narrative that maybe he didn't, or did you, like me and everybody else, think like, oh yeah, it was Rob O'Neill?
2: No, uh, uh, quite honestly. I mean, obviously, I knew the. The, the basics of the mission and Osama bin Laden being uh, shot and killed in this mission, but I didn't know any of the specifics. Uh, I hadn't uh, I'm, with, I'm not in the community right and I hadn't uh, really looked at it or examined anything up until recently here.
0: You had it. Yeah, it like so that, that, that's interesting to me but like I said I, I lived in a in a uh, in a in a world that was very closed off and what's common to me isn't common to other people, right? let's uh let's go down the list again i'm not the first person far from it of who has made such a claim
1: konnichiwa bitches i'm here to tell you about refracted wolf apparel founded in 2021 refracted wolf apparel is outsider apparel for the front lines right so whether or not you're a first responder you're military or you're a veteran or you're a nurse or a corrections officer or a dispatcher we're all public servants Sometimes that shit sucks and it can get super dark. So our clothing line and our artwork and our graphic tees, we kind of represent that. You know, We just become outsiders to the, our own cultures. Whether or not you're a, a SWAT guy, we got you. Street cop guys, we got you. Crusty old veterans, we got you. We got everything you need. Hats, stickers, flags, especially graphic tees. We got all of them. Use anti-hero for 15% off for Fracted Wolf Apparel.
0: Let's go down here. Let's go down the list. I've, made, I've compiled a small list. There's an investigative reporter by the name of Matthew Cole. Uh, he worked uh, for The Intercept. He came out with a, um, a report called The Crimes of SEAL Team 6. It got a lot of traction in our community. That's another one of those things. Have you ever heard of that? No, sir. Blows my mind. It was it was all the rave in the special operations community when it when it came out. There are other things they talk about that I don't. That I don't care uh, to discuss, um, he, but he does talk about the Bin Laden raid. Um, this was two years of investigative reporting, and he talked to over eighteen former and current members of SEAL Team Six. So this is a large pool to draw to draw from. Did a lot of work, and this is what uh, what he had to say as he approached the third floor bedroom. Red now, red is commonly referred to uh, what is always referred to as the point man is also commonly referred to as red and red is not DJ Shipley. Red is not Rob O'Neill because of his red hair. Um, Red is the, is the point man. Red saw bin Laden standing in the doorway, peering out. He was unarmed and wearing pajamas. A few of his female relatives were nearby. Red came to a stop and fired two shots with his suppressed rifle. One shot hit Bin Laden in the chest, Bin Laden in the chest, and the second shot glanced off his hip or thighs. Bin Laden stumbled backward into the room and fell toward the foot of his bed. That is the story I've heard over and over, read the point man shot him, shot him in the chest, he stumbled in, everyone else hit a pile on shooting. So this investigative reporter without a Tier 1 background and getting an easy access to Tier 1 operators like I did, somehow... Gets to the same truth uh, that that the community already knew. Um, Can
1: I ask you yeah. a question? Yeah. Is it common when uh, when when operators dump a room like that?
0: Is it common for everybody to put some rounds on target? Absolutely. It's called you know we call it pile on shootings. Okay. Uh, but if I'm if I'm passing a dead body or that dead body is in my sector, you know, my, um, as as I sweep my sector, 100. Um, percent you know, I'm putting rounds into him as well. Uh, very rarely does just one person shoot a guy. Very rarely. Um, it, goes on, it goes on in a little bit more detail. Um, we'll just go into it. And just, just uh, again, I'll, I'll validate from a tactical level, which is what I'm here to do, if, if what uh, he says makes sense. Red watched Bin Laden fall. He later told his teammates that it was possible one arm was twitching reflectively as he died. Uh, but otherwise he was effectively dead. That is true. Uh, You you hit someone and you drop them with a good good, uh, nervous system shutdown shot, one right in the center of the chest that hits the spine or right in the face, Uh, and you either get an immediate drop and no movement, or sometimes you get a little bit of twitching. uh, So that that checks out in my book. It was Red's job to make most important tactical judgment because he largely blocked the view of the seals behind him. That is true as a point man. According to several former members of SEAL Team 6, the most basic principle, principle of assault uh, training is follow your shot. That's absolutely right. And I'll tell you what follow your shot means. It means whoever shot into that room, that means you want to continue uh, the, um, the momentum uh, of that violent action in there. And so whoever shoots into that room, especially, which is more likely going to be the point man, because he's in front of everyone, he's going to follow his shot. He's going to go into that room. So that, that checks out. Follow your shot. Meaning that the operator who fired on target must ensure the target no longer poses a threat. Um, Red could see Bin Laden bleeding out from his chest wound, but he still had not entered the bedroom. So he makes these shots before entering, which, which is which is normal. Then as two Bin Laden eldest daughters began to scream, Red quickly corralled them, um, move forward a little bit, and uh, O'Neill or two or three assaulters moved past Red. So uh, Red is obviously the first one in the room. He he moves these uh, females out of the way. Um, O'Neill and two or three other more assaulters move past Red into the bedroom, where Bin Laden lay on the ground. Um, in this it's interesting here it says O'Neill then fired two rounds according to his own description so he's the only person uh, who says that he says the first two rounds hit bin Laden's forehead then Ola- then O'Neill canoeude bin Laden with a final shot um, according to my sources O'Neill was the number four man of the room so even if, if that's what he did um, he was the fourth person to shoot him and probably put in the eighth ninth and tenth shots into bin Laden which is gonna differ
1: extremely from
0: what brent tells you later uh the seals had been specifically asked to avoid shooting bin laden in the face uh i've been on missions and in fact i've been scolded for shooting people in the face uh, after they're down so pile on shootings um you don't we want to preserve their face so for the sse for the evidence we can say yes it n- never have they ever said If you think if that's the only shot he gives you or you think your life's in danger and it's a suicide bomber, you can't shoot him in the face. You absolutely can shoot him in the face. But if they're lying on the ground already wounded and you have a choice of where you shoot him, uh, it's not in the face. So um, I I actually I believe that SEALs have been specifically asked to avoid shooting bin Laden in the face. O'Neill's decision to canoe the Al-Qaeda leader made him unrecognizable. Um, that's interesting. We'll talk about making him unrecognizable later. A seal who spoke Arabic, uh, asked the wives and daughters and that's how they got their PID. Um, here's something else I really want to bring up from, from this, uh, two year investigation with, uh, 18 members of seal team six. They all had the same story enough for him to, to post this out. The Red Squadron assaulters later gather in a private area of Bagram Air Base uh, where they debrief the mission in front of the military lawyer and the squadron commanding officer who recorded on a cell phone. Um, Let me fast forward here to parts that matter. During the debrief, Red was identified as having hit bin Laden with a fatal shot. O'Neill was only credited with putting security rounds into bin laden after he was already down there was no discussion of a visible weapon we'll talk about that later make a note of that um no claims that one of bin laden's wives have been used as a shield or threat make a note of that this is so the whole troop came back and not one of them ever talked about using him as her as a human shield or talked about a weapon um the raid, several of the SEALs said afterwards, was one of the easiest missions they've ever conducted. There were there were no heroics, and apart from Al kuwaitis shots, no firefight. Um, that just but that just actually goes to show um, the amount of war these guys have actually seen. And yeah, I'm certain that's right. It probably wasn't the most the, the hottest target they've ever been on, but it was the most important target they were ever on. So we've done a good job of explaining how, it, not just me, but now an investigative reporter with two years and 18 former SEAL Team 6 members also contradict his story. Um, Speaking of him, Matt Cole, this is him on The Team House, a podcast, uh, going a little more into depth about it and, and showing what one of his sources said. True. All we need to we can stop right there. Someone else, after he had put it out, confirmed to him again that that is the truth. And I'll read it right here. What he says: Rob did not shoot UBL first. The first man in the room shot him center mass first, which already corroborates with what we've been talking about. Biss shot center mass second. Don't worry, we're going to get to Matt Biss. Rob was number four. Rob was number four from someone who was actually there rob did shoot him in the head after three others shot him we had agreed not to shoot uh head or face to preserve for id reasons which i'm pretty sure didn't make him a very popular person uh afterwards so and you said you're going to get into pid later yes we'll get we'll get we'll get into that Um, I don't normally call a terrorist wife as a uh, as a star witness, but it is interesting just a few years ago that uh, that Amal bin Laden actually came out and made a statement about the night the uh, the SEALs raided her house. And here it is. When the Navy team entered the room, she tried to rush them. Now, this. Is actually like I said, we'll talk. We'll see what Matt Bissonnette says later. But uh, spoiler alert: he says every female on Target was aggressive that night. Every female. He doesn't talk about one female sitting there quietly and silently as a human shield. He talks about all of them being very aggressive. um, And even in Amal's words, she says she tried to tried to rush them. Let's see what that got her. That got her shot in the leg, but that was but was shot in the leg, and she passed out from the pain. When she came back to Bin Laden, was already dead.
1: Wait, so she was shot in the leg, fell down, passed out, and then she when she came to
0: Bin Laden was already dead. Correct. And in case in case uh, people have the attention span of an average American and don't wait for the rest of this 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 interview. Rob O'Neill is very consistent of saying that she was used as a human shield during the standoff of Rob O'Neill and Osama bin Laden. But according to her, according to uh, Matt Cole and 18 other former unit members and Matt Bissonette, that is absolutely, and me, and in fact, the next person uh, I'll talk to is, uh, i talk about is an actual teammate of Rob O'Neill who unfortunately asked not to be identified. Um, I asked him some questions, which he was more than comfortable answering those questions and I, to me.
1: I have seen, I have seen these. These are real. Oh, yeah. You know.
0: I've, you've seen me on the phone all the time talk, yeah. you know, yeah. talking to yeah. all these guys, yeah. asking them. These messages. Um, and, uh, and I asked him at any point, because he didn't just come back for this mission and and immediately left the SEAL community. Uh, he stayed in Red Squadron for a little bit. They moved him over to, uh, to a different squadron, and he eventually got out. And I said, during his time there, when you were a teammate of his, did he ever claim to have killed bin, the killer of bin Laden, the one man in a room, while you were his teammate, either privately in the team or in front of the troop? Because if it's true, it would just be common knowledge. He laughed and said, no. Rob O'Neill never said that in front of other operators and in front of Red Squadron. So um, when people, um, again, when people are saying uh, it's, you know, I'm the first person they've ever heard say this, you're just not looking. Um, here's another person with a lot of followers. He just didn't say it as, um, as bold as I did. Andy Stumpf was a member of SEAL Team 6, and let's see what he has to say as someone in the community and from the actual command. He said it in the nicest way he could that... Uh, there is dispute. There is dispute. Yeah. He was very uh, cordial and saying it. But then again, he's not going to come in and say a lot about it. He probably wants to be able to go back to the command Does it? Do you again. Think it, do
1: you think it kind of rubs these guys the wrong way um, at, at minimum? You know, when, when they hear somebody that just doesn't know. They don't know. Like if they heard you know, me and Mike talking, like, oh my God, Rob O'Neill, you, you know... Do you think it like kind of irks them to the point where they want to
0: just go, "Hey guys, mm. how how can it not?" He didn't he didn't have that was just you know a very relaxed podcast. He could have easily let that go. That's true. There, that, so obviously it does. He could have easily let that go, but he couldn't let it go. He had to at least very professionally say, mm, "That's just not the way." You know, the people on the mission are saying it went down. You know, kind of paraphrase him a little bit. So, yeah, because.
1: What he was saying was is that it's it's disp- the narratives disputed, what was put into the public view. it's not actually what happened. There's no confusion about what happened on the ground with anybody involved.
0: And you know what's there's always a little bit of a truth to every story. you know uh, you know her getting shot in the leg in fact was was something um, Robin has talked about before that she was that she was uh shot in the leg. So, you know, he, he admits that even though she was shot in the leg and being used as what a human shield. We'll 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 get into that later. There's a little <laughs> bit of a JT. teaser. But but again, there's always yeah, there's always, you know, of course there's a lot of truth to his story. You know, I'm not, not saying that every part the guy was on the mission. My gosh. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff he said was true. Right. But there there are parts which we will dive into that just don't make sense not just if i haven't gone if i haven't gone down the list enough to make people understand it's not just me it's a lot of other people if you want more facts just hold on i got him he does like to go back into his corner and say well you weren't there uh, I, you know it was just it was just me he says that yes well that's that's his you know what we he, he said it uh oh. he, you know and that's that's what people say yeah. and that was one of the things well in fact he called me Jealous, um, <laughs> and like
1: you guys are sixth grade girls. You just
0: jealous, Brent. <laughs> hmm. I just that that one's. Uh, I'm trying to be professional about it. That one's. That is. Um, no, it didn't sting. <laughs> it was. It was an interesting comeback because uh, if anyone ever came and questioned something I did on Target, uh, I can't imagine my response being. To a SEAL Team Six guy, going, "Oh, you were just jealous. You went on that target." Yeah, uh, I would just. How about not acknowledging it if it's that ridiculously far from the truth? How about um, well, you could call one of my seventeen teammates. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, I use all sorts of ways I would go about that, other than just calling them jealous. I just found that to be a very yeah. interesting response from them. But then again, I would be able to call my teammates to back up my version of the story. He always says you can't prove differently, but he hasn't he hasn't come out with anyone else proving his version of the story there either on target.
1: And another thing too that he always
0: he, wants the burden of proof on you. Yeah.
1: Another thing that he does or he did is that when this came out and went viral, right? He's Rob O'Neill. He's Hollywood Rob, Showtime Rob, you know, is He's, he's been on Fox News, movies made about him. He's probably advised on some of these movies. Um, when a, What people couldn't wrap their head around was the fact that he, this clip went viral, ended up on his phone, and he got upset about it and messaged us about, whoa, dude, what are you saying this for? Like, everybody was like, dude, wouldn't, we're a little menial podcast. He would have been like, okay. And he got
0: super upset. After, was, after this, he's going to wish he let it go. I wouldn't be doing this right now if probably if he would have just Brent's had like six hours sleep in a week. Let it go. <laughs> because that's not true. It's not because that because the truth matters. He just nudged me over the edge to, to uh uh to do this and more or less probably the you know the, the fans that or not or the the people that you kept on coming to me about the comment section, I didn't care enough to read the comment section. Um but you uh did a good job of constantly reminding me of the comment section and asking me what I thought. Um, and so when he says, you weren't there, uh, and comment people say, you weren't there, you don't get an opinion on it, I'm glad you asked. There was an, we, As if those people forget about a man named Matt Bissonnette who was on target and has absolutely c- came out publicly and walked this mission out step by step. So it doesn't even have to be you know, a, a hearsay and it doesn't even have to be a two years of investigative reporting and 18 people. It doesn't even have to be uh, a teammate of Rob Mundial that I personally spoke to or my history of 10 years as a tier one operator speaking to people in the profession. If that's not enough for you, let me give you someone who was on the mission, Matt Bissonette. And Mike, if, if, if you could, uh, I'm going to look at this through a tactical level and just make sure everything he says makes sense and if you could look for signs of deception which which is what you do best and let's see what uh matt bisonette says um there's no reason to go through the whole mission doesn't seem like there's a lot of um a lot of dispute if the helicopter crashed not a lot of dispute about anything that happens until about the stairwell so that's that's where we're going to start All the women on target were very hostile. Mm -hmm. According to Rob, there was one on target that was very docile, even though she was shot in the leg. Uh, But so Matt Bissonnette says all women on target were hostile. Um, I can confirm that I have been on targets and high level targets where the women do not like you there. And sometimes they're more uppity than the men are. quiet pitch black in the house it, they they chose this mission because it was a zero loom night it means the, there was no moon it was as pitch black as possible so that also means your nods don't work as well as they normally do because your nods need uh, it amplifies the light that is there right and so this isn't um, um, uh, this isn't white phosphor 2018 nods that are you know, high definition white and black these are still green nods that uh, are still better than you know the than the you know seven deltas if anyone use seven deltas in the 80 second um, but it is going to hamper uh, it's it, it gives you the the advantage of, of complete darkness which is what they'll take but it does uh, affect your nods a little bit back around the edge of the so in this version of the story and I know at the end of the day there will be different versions I don't expect everyone to have a 100% version right like I do there can be different versions. Um, Versions of the same same stories, but there can't be two wildly different stories. Right. Okay. So right now Matt Bissonette does not say that the point man who is red, which was already talked about. Red is the point man um, that he speaks in two different languages. Um, I just want to point that out. We'll talk about that later. He just says Khalid Khalid and he sex his head out and um, shoots him at close range right in the face. I will say this uh, I believe that's true i I've, I've heard that story many times to have the wherewithal to to fake out the son of Osama bin Laden and say his name is brilliant i mean that's that's right. a tier one move right there i mean if if people hear that story and then it's just kind of a story like from someone who's you know been on these missions and on the ground and to you know to know to have the wherewithal to know who all the sons are, at what floor you're going to know that you, you'll meet them, and then to go, uh, I could use my speed to get around this corner and get into kind of a 50-50 gunfight and hope I win, or I can just outsmart them and see if I can make them peek around the corner. That's, that, uh, that just can't be glossed over. That's right. a pro move right there. That right. is a pro move. Stepping past Khalid and now you're number two in the stack. You're right behind the point man. Go. Point man's red, right? So the again the point man is red. Uh, Matt Bissonette identifies himself as uh, as the number two man. But I've heard Matt Bissonette from other people say he that he was the two man. Um in fact and I also believe was uh um, Matt Cole and and that uh, said that he was he was the two man. I hate to keep stopping it but I have to set something up for later. In order for this to be true, for him to see Osama bin Laden poke his head out. Let me let me lay out to you what the third floor looked like. When they get to the top of the third floor, it's in the very middle of the house. And so it's a long hallway that goes all the way to the outside patio. And there's a room to the right and left, right across from each other, and there's We'll call that room one and two. And there's another room, three and four, further down. So each corner of that house on the third floor has a room. One, two, three, four, with a hallway going down it. Rob talks about at the top of the stairwell, there being a green cloth that you can't see through. Well, if that green cloth was there, Then Red, the point man, from the stairwell, couldn't have looked into bedroom one, the first bedroom to the right of the hallway. So it's clear to me that this, from deductive reasoning, he had a clear shot, he saw a man in the doorway, he takes it. Let's talk about that real quick. And I'm not I'm not revealing top secret tactics. This is basic CQB 101. They just do it better than Tier 1 operators just do it better than everyone else. <laughs> we talked about this already in the uh um uh in the intercept article about following your shots, so it's what he does. This article backs up uh Rob uh, uh, Matt Bissonette's story, so along with everyone who's ever told me this story backs up to this backs backs up this version so far um the point man read his job is once he takes that shot into the room is to follow his shot we already talked about that once as a lead man you get into the room you have you have two immediate jobs one is to clear the immediate threat anything within arm's distance of being in that room and that's exactly what these two girls are they're an immediate threat they're at the threshold of this room some people are going to say that he believes them to be a suicide bomber and that he gives basically potentially gives his life by throwing himself on these on these you know potential body bombers and puts himself in between him and the assault team was that how you would handle a suicide bomber uh, no red's shown himself to be uh, really good at shooting people in the head um, if he believed them to be a suicide bomber he'd have shot them both in the head which would have been shot three and four to the to the head or or at least you yeah, kill three and four and yeah. and in, uh, in about 15 seconds red clearly has no problem shooting people <laughs> he's done it very quickly and accurately to this stage what he's doing is he's clearing the immediate threat. And then he's driving them to his corner. Nothing gets between a tier one operator and his corner. Nothing. So he is, if you can't identify that they're a threat, then they're coming with you. And so he does exactly what he's been trained to do thousands and thousands of times. It's happened to me on target. Turn, Turn the corner, there's someone. It's too close. I can't identify what they are or aren't. And I just drive them to the corner with me, making room for the other assaulters to come do their job in the room. He's doing what Tier One guys do. They did have a suicide vest on and they did blow themselves up that they wouldn't that, that wouldn't affect the rest of the guys. But it would him. Yeah. I'm not I'm also not saying there's no way that wasn't his line of thinking. Only Red can tell us what his line of thinking was. It would take it would take him to come out here and clear all this up, although he'd he'd everyone yeah. wishes he would. He'd let me uh, tell you, who wishes and prays that Red never comes out, and that's Rob O'Neill. Um, but the but general, the general
1: feeling that you're getting from from this couple, you know, this week of research is that Red's probably never going to
0: come out. Oh, I've I've been on several phone calls with his teammates and and asked I don't know him personally, um, the and asked if uh, if they would put me in touch with Red, and they just laughed and said hmm, Red doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't <laughs> want to talk to anyone. <laughs> Not even as a you know feller T one operator, he's just uh, um he. He was the perfect man uh, for Rob to put in his story because, and he knew that because he's never going to talk. Um, so and so he may have thought that. I mean, there's always a chance he may have, but tactically, that's that's what he's doing.
3: You should.
0: stop there just real quick he did exactly what i talked about you know especially when he's the center of the room so he's in everyone's sector the two man's going to come in and put two three four rounds in him the three man's going to come in do the same thing the four man's going to come in do the same thing so checks out tactically You shot him twice. A
3: handful of times. A handful of times, and the seal in the sack behind you also shot Osama Bin Laden, and at that point his body was still. Yes. Dead. Did you recognize him? No. You know everybody thinks it was like, you know it's him? No. To us at that time, it could have been anybody. Maybe this is another brother. Maybe this is a bodyguard. Maybe. It doesn't matter. The point is, is to just continue clearing.
0: Let's stop right there. We gotta we gotta unpack this. He says he says a lot that that's important. He says initially they could not uh, tell it was him. Well, they couldn't tell it was him because they're still clearing. There's this is room one of four rooms on the second shelf, uh, second uh, third floor. They don't just uh, you know stop and go. Hey, he was kind of tall. Let's let's stop and 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 look into this. They're still in a clearing mode. Um, the two, three, and four man that cut that came in and going by the story that two years of investigations and 18 other SEALs from the command said, which was Rob as the foreman and canoes him in the face three times while he's laying on the ground already shot and already dead, that's going to cause an issue. It's gonna, you're going to think you can easily tell you know, that's Osama bin Laden. When he's shot in the head three times, they're not easy to identify. I've been on missions where I've had weeks to study a guy's face and we've taken them alive and I've been, and, we, and we've all sat in the room and gone, Hey, this is him. Right. And you put the picture right next to the guy. And yeah, it's him. Look, look at his eyebrows. No, hold on. Look at his nose though. Look at his lips. Like it takes a little bit to, 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 to be n- sure, to be sure. Now let's take that as a guy shot in the head. And it is very, difficult to PID that guy been on those missions you're putting the you're trying to put his face together as best you can <laughs> to, to you know to look at it and it's just not that easy you think it would be really easy to PID, to, to PID a guy um, when you shoot him in the face with these rounds these particular rounds I don't get too detailed into the type of rounds we use but I will say they are special rounds and they, and they create a lot of havoc one of the things that I think
1: people have a misconception of is that are the photos that we think we see are, they're altered they're not real right they've
0: never released the actual photos of the uh of of the bin laden raid so if you think you've
1: seen which we've all seen them if you think you've seen Osama bin laden shot in the head and dead
0: you have yeah, not seen i've it. i've seen them well you've seen the yes. real photos i've seen them it's his nose is over here he's got kind of water on his face in fact it's funny He's about to tell you why there's water on his face. Let's keep going.
3: By now, 20 minutes had passed. Every single thing the woman with the CIA had told them on the plane had been right. But time was running out. Throughout the raid, the remaining helicopter was in the air. It only had enough gas to stay for 30 minutes or so. Pakistani neighbors had discovered the seals posted outside the compound wall. As time was slipping away, Mark Owen and a couple of other members of SEAL Team 6 kneeled around a mangled body on the third floor of the house in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Everything the CIA analyst told them about the raid on Osama bin Laden's house had checked out exactly as she said. But was this bin Laden? You know, in my mind, he looked way younger than I thought he was going to be. His beard wasn't gray at all. Studied
0: models, lots of photos of them, and you know they were always gray his beard was, was dark black that's huge we can't we can't ignore that his beard was black that's gonna come into into account later let me tell you why my assumption of why his beard is black he's a six foot four Arab not a lot of them a lot of them are short right. He's in he's in a he's in a country he shouldn't be in. He doesn't necessarily have the protection. He probably does, but yeah, you know, he knows he's a wanted man and doesn't have complete protection. The walls on this compound were very tall. They talk about it. Even the third floor wall for the balcony was actually a full size wall, so he could walk out he could walk out there, get some fresh air, but his head never go above the wall. So if you can't hide your height just talk to you as a as as a police officer. What 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 can you hide?
1: Uh, well, your appearance, your general your appearance. appearance. Well, I mean, here's another thing about a cop. This right here should show um, how important it is when you when you hear a story and someone says, "This is what they look like." I'm telling you, this is what they look like, and then you find out that. It's, that person didn't look like that at all They're talking about the same person But oh I was robbed by a guy w- w- You know with a gray beard And he actually had a black beard You both know you're talking about the same person But now you lose so much In that case Whether And you, you might even lose faith In that case and faith in that victim Because you're like You told me you saw him from me to you And he had a different colored beard than what we're seeing
0: Because so. the details matter And what I also find interesting about this uh, would there there's no reason for him to lie about this really unique detail, really unique detail. It'd be a very odd thing to lie about and be like, you know what? His beard was jet black.
1: In your experience would anybody, that's not common, right? For someone out a third party not being investigated, not, you know, just someone that you're talking to like a witness, is that odd or is that just just
0: add random
2: details? Right. I mean, uh, people are going to have different perceptions and people are going to have, uh, you know, different, describe the events differently. Not everybody's going to be, of course, lockstep when you interview witnesses to an event. So different people are going to include different details. Uh, As long as the details don't conflict or contradict each other, that's when you sort of have um, some issues that you definitely need to iron out.
0: Okay. So he's got a black beard. Make note. So he's been looking at him on the ground. These three people have post mission, but his face is splayed open and he's still not willing to make this call yet. Again, just make make note of that. That's 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 exactly how it happens. That's how and important it was to him. That's That's how confusing it is. And in, in the real world. No, but it was
1: it. He made the decision not to make the call because of how important it is. Ab-
0: well, absolutely. In this particular mission, they could not be wrong. Yeah. They could not be wrong.
1: Yeah,
2: well, when you look at the the circumstances of what he's talking about, it's a completely dark room. You have somebody who's been shot. Uh, you haven't had the chance to really examine him like you're talking about, holding a picture next to somebody and things like that. Uh, you haven't had that chance yet. So certainly to say that you have a positive ID on somebody would be – Right.
0: Would ring untrue. in fact, he, he's crumpled over. I mean, they, they would have had to extend him out, you know, to, to even see that he was six foot two. Right. Our point is, and that we're all saying, can all agree on, no one's going to walk at, and, until they start cleaning him up, spreading him out, turning lights on. Turning lights on with, <laughs> yeah, with their flashlights. <laughs> sure. And until that happens, no one's just walking in seconds later after he's shot and saying, that's Osama bin Laden curled up in a ball with his head split open. Well, no. so, someone someone says that happened, but well, even but even it's in a not, dark room,
1: when your head's not split open, the,
0: it's hard to <laughs> identify somebody. So again, and that's not what Matt Bissonette is saying. So it checks out.
3: killing Osama bin Laden. They turned to one of the seals in the room who spoke Arabic. So he moved out to where the women and kids were, grabs one of the the younger kids, says, hey, who who is that inside? She says, Osama. Osama who? Osama bin Laden. The, The child,
0: the child. And that's exactly how we normally get our PID for sure. Is we take a woman and child, woman and kids, and uh, we have a translator come up and talk to them, and then you know ask him who is that, and we'll get our second identification again. That's how you identify an important person on a tier one target. It's a process, and uh, everything tactically, Matt Bissonetta said right now makes sense. Uh, and I'm not just saying that just because that's the same story I've heard from all his teammates personally. And from all the other things I've proven to you before that, uh, that checks out, but I'm glad to have you here as what, what do you say deception wise, or are there any parts of that story where you're like, he gets iffy on these details or you don't like the, you know, or, or you can, you know, there's some, uh, there's a sign of deception that you can see.
2: Uh, no, with this, with this particular story, uh, no, I don't really see a whole lot, uh, in it, uh, no I mean it it sort of rings true there's no um, obvious signs of either verbal or nonverbal deception uh, with him
0: okay well uh, moving on let's get let's see how as as always everyone's like well you know you have to be there we want to hear it from the guys on the ground we just heard it from a guy on the ground and his story and his story seems to check out Uh, we're going to fast forward this to the again to the part that matters which is the part in the stairwell Uh, Let's hear what Rob has to say.
3: in urban
0: saying if we're fighting
3: up, I will pull guys out. I only want a certain my guys on just to avoid
0: uncertain I mean, unnecessary deaths if you start dropping shells. Like now I'll tell you from what he's saying right there. I mean that's he he's a team leader at the time. That's a team leader move. That's a vet that's a veteran move to not get amped up you know as a I don't want to say a junior guy but as a less experienced guy that just wants to crowd that stairwell and get to the fight that's a real that's a that's a that's a bad place to be no you, you want your guys to be pushing forward in the fight experience gave him that and gave him the wherewithal to say nope I want to make sure there's enough people up there to make to, to be in the fight but not everyone has to be there uh, to watch the fight because you you know Six, seven guys back, you're not useful in the fight. So what he's saying right there is exactly what uh, that's a veteran move. Right. And notice notice how exactly he phrases this from a statement
2: analysis perspective. He says they're going up the stairs, not we're going up the stairs, indicating that he's not going up the stairs yet. And he clarify he, he gives you a little more information as he continues the story because he's about eight men back. So he's right. not going up the stairs at that time. Uh, but some of the other team members are.
0: Again, uh, so I'm gonna get to the bottom of this one. Uh, I, it was one of those things that really just recently uh, I've found, I've I've noticed that some stories he just says, "Come here," Matt Bissonnette just says, "Come here," um, but in other stories, you know, Rob and several accounts also says he says it in two different languages. I don't know the truth on this. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll by the time this thing airs, we'll we'll have an update. I'll put out my feelers, but if that's true again the guy read the point man for this they got the right guy at the front of this train the mission because he is a badass and if he learned come here in two different languages and by the way you're not you're not um assigned to be the point man inside the house you're assigned to be the point man outside the house if you're walking to an objective but once you get inside the house it's a free-for-all so The right guy for the job happens to be in the front of the line at the point, and and at the end of the day, I kind of don't care. Well, of course, I do care because the truth matters, Uh, and it would be a good indicator if that's not correct. But whether he just said his name or said his name and in two different languages, uh, either way. Well, do you think what an amazing uh, story? Well, do you think the two different languages thing is
1: Rob trying to build on the story with extra details that makes it
0: more Hollywoody? If he did, it would be, it would be the the beginning of of, of churching it up. Um, but I don't. I'm not gonna hang my hat on this. Uh, I could absolutely. I could absolutely be wrong, you know. And and I, and I'm I'm hesitant to to do that because Rob's gonna come out and he's gonna find a few things that I'm wrong on and he's really gonna try to attack those and he's gonna completely ignore, you know, the 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 much bigger points I have. So I just bring it up. I'm not, not hanging my hat on it. I'm I'm genuinely interested. Two
3: different languages that he knew Khalid spoke. Which I think is incredible. And then try to get shot on. And Khalid simply got confused. And we know the thing like, what? No. Shit. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah.
0: Again, we can go back to these aren't two separate stories yet. These are two very similar stories. The point man says Khalid the details of that can vary and that's fine by me we haven't we haven't gone off into a different direction the basics correct.
2: of the story are corroborative
0: correct correct so we're, we're we're still on the we're still on the same narrative no issues here Let's play a math game real quick. He's in the eighth spot, and he moves up to the two-man, basically saying that six men went to go clear level two. Math right so far? He's eight men. He's eight man back, six people ahead of him. He's seven people ahead of him. Right. The point man stays, and which tactically is correct. He, he has the, the most history on that landing. He, ha- he owns the landing. He owns the stairs. He should stay on those stairs checks out so six people between him and the point man move on you only got to google it 25 it can 24 25 26 i'll go with the, the middle number 25 tier one seal team six operators are on this mission a couple will will uh will be snipers and and a dog guy you know you can a couple may not be in the house so let's, let's bring it down to as many as five or six. You still have 20 operators in this house. You want 18, 20 operators to take down this objective as fast as you can. Now this isn't hostage rescue, so they're probably not going to be going as fast as they can. I don't want to get into too much of the details of those tactics. But they have a lot of people on this mission, and that's, and that's not an opinion. That's a fact. You can, go, you can go look that up. They say how many, you know, roughly. How many seals are on this mission? So the story of him going from eight to two, and that there's no one left to continue this train, that's not what Matt Bissonette says. Matt Bissonette says, you know that the, you know, I'm sure that the the force got cut in half. Whoever was done clearing the first floor, guys started clearing the second floor, and now by the time it's time to go for the third floor, your first floor guys are going up. Yeah, because you said it.
1: You said a couple minutes ago, when you get in the house, it's a free-for-all. Everybody wants some, so there's going to be people finding work, right?
0: Absolutely. And everyone knows, and he said, you know, she's been right so far, everyone knows the big guys on the third floor. So if you think guys are dragging feet on the first floor, (laughs) floor. and if guys are dragging feet on the second floor, they know. I mean, they're hoping, you know, you still have to clear the second floor, and the second floor guys are hoping that the intel is wrong, but uh, they... They, they know the third floor is the, uh, the, the target. He's, he says that. So I, I do not believe here's where we start, you know, tactically and from my tier one experience, the amount of people that take down this 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 a target like this, a high value target um, environment uh, that if I believe two people would be moving up to the third floor and, and, and no more because they were spread too thin. No. Absolutely not. In fact, again, Matt Bissonnette, who was there, doesn't tell that story either. Um, But it has to be this way because it it sets him up. it It sets him up later. So it has to be this way. Let's continue. Hopefully, everyone is still with me and is excited to get to this part. I said earlier about um, when we read the one article that said the, that read from the stairwell took a shot into the room where bin Laden was standing in the doorway. If this curtain was here at the top of the stairs, which is where he places this curtain, how could this, how could the one man see? Bin Laden standing in the uh, in his doorway. Right. So right now we have we have the, the stories are starting to, to conflict to conflict and they're starting to go off in very different directions. Right. So I don't believe that this this curtain is here again. This curtain has to be here, though, because this cur- if this curtain is here, then red could not take the shot into the doorway. So, this curtain comes out of nowhere. I also find it to be very odd. I've been in many, many, many houses overseas. You don't find a curtain blocking the the stairwell. They do weird things. I'm not saying it, it'll <laughs> never happen. But a curtain blocking a room, see it all the time. A curtain blocking a stairwell? Unusual. S- seems like a good way to fall down the stairs. Um, oh, that's a good point. So, so... So again, this narrative of unless and he also says it's backlit and they can see people moving back and forth. Backlit from what? It's a zero loom night and everybody agrees, including you, Rob, that there are no lights. It is dark. So there is nothing to backlight you. And if there's no backlit, you go on a zero loom night and it's the house is dark how are you seeing through this curtain in the darkest of nights to see there are people behind there? It, I'm not hanging my hat on this, but now we're definitely getting to a point where I have serious questions about your version of the story when I had zero questions about the last operator that was there. Right. Wait, why does no one question him on this? Well, well, I'll tell one. you why. Because they don't have the Tier 1 experience. Like we said, like the only someone from that community sometimes can, can hear something that says, that's not right. So a Tier 1 SEAL Team 6 veteran operator who's been a killer all night just took a shot, and according to you, Rob... He just took a blind shot into a, into a curtain. You didn't say anyone opened the curtain. You just saw you could kind of see some people. It, that's not how it works. When tier one operators admit to take a shot inside a house on target, people die. That's what happens. Not only does that, not only, there's two things that happen actually. One, people die. Two, you have these sharks moving around target that are hungry and they're looking for work. And when it's a suppressed shot, it's not a it's not a subsonic, you know, no one can hear it shot. So when the boys hear this shot, they'll hear it on the same floor. Oh, you're gonna get the attention of other assaulters and you're gonna get help real quick. You will no longer be two men. If if you were two men at this point,
1: you're not two men. You're not up. two
0: men about two seconds later. You got a group so of people looking to, keep, to help you out. Just
1: to keep people on track. They're at the stairwell. Red just shot. Now, Rob's version is Red shot into nothingness, into a curtain. The real version. He doesn't even say what he shot into. He right. just says, because he doesn't want to say where he shot. But this this would be where, again, Rob's story, I don't, I don't believe it to be true, but in order to dissect it, we have to go with Rob's story for this. According to Rob's story, this is where it was him and Red, but. When someone shoots, he's gonna have about six people behind him in less than. The boys are coming.
0: The boys that aren't doing, you know, and he uh, would valuable take, work are coming.
1: He wouldn't have taken that curtain room or whatever he wants to call it by
0: himself. No, and again, I, I question this whole curtain. What's a, the curtain is only let's let's it's it's very important right now to again remind us of where we're at. We're at the bottom of these stairwell at this at these stairs. When you get to the top of the stairs, it's just a long, straight hallway from one end of the house to the other. You're at one end of the house. You can see all the way through to the other end of the house. On all four corners of the house are bedrooms. So that means when you come into the hallway, immediately to your left is a bedroom, immediately to your right is a bedroom. Go down the hallway a little bit more, a lot more, and again, opposing doors, one door to the left will lead off to the other room in the far corner and the one to the right. So four corners, four rooms, very simple layout, hallway completely down the middle. Now to orient you, the bin Laden room is the first room on the right, which means from the bottom of the stairs, let's take the um, uh, the magical cloth curtain out of it you would have been able to see into the bedroom to the right a little bit, not much. If someone was at the doorway, you would absolutely be able to see that. Um, which again, which is what everyone says happens. And in Rob's version, he now emplaces this curtain that doesn't allow Red to to be the shooter. Yet I find it odd. He he gives him enough truth to say, oh, and and Rob shot. Uh, Rob, that Red, the point man, shot. But no one questions him. Who, who did he shoot at? Who do you think he hit? Moving on. And I'm the two man, and my job as a two-man
1: is, is to hold him and wait. His job is to simply go forward. Correct. I'm top and I got you. Did you did you see anything in there? With, with no.
2: Me. No, not really. No. Uh, as far as verbal or nonverbal, um, he's okay here. Uh you know, again, just but going to the tactical aspects of what what Brent is bringing up. Yeah, there's definitely, it seems like an issue there because Brent had mentioned earlier that uh, the point man would follow his shot, which. Doesn't
0: appear to be the case. Here. Right. There's another good point. Hey, I'm supposed <laughs> to be the tactics guy. What are you doing? No, well, so I'm this just guy, going off yeah, of what you yeah. said. So this guy, there's another. There's just there ends up being so many points. Yeah, I'm a, true. I'm, we're going to get done with this episode. I'm be like, why? Wow, I should have said that. I should have said that. I should have said that. I'm glad you brought that up. He also isn't following his shot, which is which is the tactic. Because Rob's just just said that
2: he has fired. He is shot. Which, right. according to what what Brent's saying, and I'm not I'm not the tactical guy, you would follow your shot, which does seem to make certainly does seem right. to
0: make sense. You would follow your right. shot, and I'm not the only one said it. Obviously, um, what is it the uh, uh, the intercept with all their interviews, you know, all those Navy SEALs said the same thing. You know, corroborated my, my version of tactics, which is you follow your shot. Right. They said it. I'm agreeing. I I say that's what happens, but. Magically enough, that's not what happens. Let's stop there for a second. I w- I don't need a squeeze, just so you know, as a one man to follow my shots. Once he says that he has that hand on his shoulder, I'm I'm going because I know you're there. Oh. I know that I'm allowed and should and need to follow my shots. I'm not waiting on your squeeze. I only I only need one more and I'm going. So, it's if uh, if he took that shot, which Rob admits that he did, and it was. Bin Laden, which every other story says it is, he would have followed the shots in the room that we're talking about. Right. All right. Let's continue. See what he says. So this is a very serious, somber moment, and 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 his part of the raid. He knows it's the third floor. He has gone on to say, uh, you know, all the intel has been very accurate, which which is what you would expect uh, with guys at this level as professionals they are. What you know, some of the funniest guys I ever worked with were the most serious guys on target until it was cleared. Um. Again, not something I want to hang my hat on, but something just interesting. Anytime there's a variance in the story, uh, you know, we, we gotta talk about it. So was it a serious moment in the hallway or was it not? What else do you have to say about it, Rob? he'd already taken a shot. He'd already taken a shot. Says it again. Yes. The interviewer never asks him. Who did he shoot? But he doesn't know to, oh, yeah, he does, again, he doesn't right. know that. No one questions him when, there's only one other dead person on this target, <laughs> and it's Osama Bin Laden. And he admits the people shooting on the third floor. Always interesting to me. But again, these guys don't know uh, yeah, what, what I know. That's for him to tell his story. Uh, this would be a three-hour podcast, which I'm sure uh, some of you guys would love if it was. You can do the same research I did. There are several times, and we'll show another one where, where he goes. I believe we'll show another one. I think it's in there. Um, I don't know. That's his story. That's, that's his story to tell. You know, I don't know. He'll probably, or he'll say it this way. Um, he'll probably tell that story different, but that's his story to tell. I have never been confronted about a story of mine on Target and not just said that's how it happened. Never, I've never left that wiggle room to go, well, but he may have a different story. It almost seems as if he doesn't think Red's ever going to talk, but just in case Red talks. Yeah. Here's a disclaimer. Here's, yeah, I have the disclaimer. Right. Uh, again, it just he's so confident on everything, but when it comes to Red and in this moment... And several, in several interviews, he gets very wish-washy and leaves the door open for controversy and says, well, that's his story. He he may have a different story. Why would he have a different story, Rob? You're right behind him. You're the two-man, according to you. You guys should have the same story. We're not talking about you two splitting off and going into different directions. Right now, you two are looking at the same thing at the same time in a, in a small stairwell, which is only one way to look there should be no second version of this story again the the truth is it's 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 hard to it's hard to keep together when when you veer off of it <laughs> his side of the story again I'm not going to hang my hat on this but he talks about how how quiet everyone is moving you know how you, you have a bunch of lethal killers in this house and right after this guy takes a shot. And should be following a shot is what he should be doing. Instead, he's making jokes and saying things like these yeah. bitches are getting truculent. Well, if it and would then, be the most
1: serious moment of your life. The the one time where you were the most serious.
0: Right. Am I wrong? It it, it would seem to me that it would be. Now, maybe Red's just a funny, funny <laughs> dude. And I don't know. Him. I'm not going to hang my hat on, on, on this and say there's no way he made a joke. Maybe he did. But I can tell you, it's very interesting. Just the other interview I showed you is a very serious suicide bombers are going, let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, we're about to die. Let's get it over with. And now they're smoking and joking in, in the stairwell. Which one is it? It can't be both. Right.
2: When you're in the moment of something like this, obviously a high, highly uh, traumatic uh, type, of, uh, type of an event, you're, you're in that moment and you probably aren't, uh, you're going to be laser focused and to make comments like that, which are really going to be not relevant at all, is it would be very, very highly unusual. It would just be really, really highly unusual. Now,
0: I would give it to him. I can see him trying to wiggle out of this and being like, well, I wouldn't have said that on the, I'll make it up on 60 minutes because it's a very serious, you know, I, I can't say that type of those type of words on a very serious uh, show. The other show he's talking about is the Sean Ryan podcast. It's just another team guy he's talking to. He can say whatever he wants. It's the it's the perfect you know environment to include that funny story, which by the way, time wise is just within a year. These are both you know recent uh, recent recent stories. Okay. If I go back to his book, he actually mentions this in his book, but in his book he says again. Seems small, but it's hard to keep when it's not the truth. It's hard to keep up with. In his book, he says something about you know these bitches are being truculent, and he says, and I laughed to myself because I always thought that word was funny, but makes no mention of him talking back to him and saying, I don't think that word means what you think it means, and and starts laughing about it. I call this the the beginning of, uh, of. uh, and I don't want to be unprofessional about it. Of, of Showtime, Rob. I don't know a better way to explain it. He's starting to kind of, you know, humanize this story um, to to make it. Because the truth Add is, more detail. The truth is boring. Listen to listen to Matt Bissonnette's story. Yeah, it's not a. It's not it's, sexy. You're not going to laugh at it. You're you. Know, there's nothing right. on there about two languages. that are going to be like, "That's amazing." Again, maybe that happened. Maybe that didn't. That's that's not what we're here to talk about. But. He starts with this, you know, this very, you know, it's almost like uh, the, the he's, he's starting. He, he's getting ready to go on the road with this. In fact, he's been on the road for a long time with it and making millions of dollars. So there's another we're going to go back to the um, we're going to go back to uh, the Sean Ryan show. But I'm just like I said, we're just going to veer off another. You know, there are several episodes I can show you that are different. But again, I only need to show you that, you know, that he that he tells a different story once to prove my point. So he's talking about again, me orient you. There's this curtain at the top of the stairwell. The the one man opens it, he sees how many women does he say are at the top of that stairwell? You remember? Well, I think Matt says two, right? Well, or Matt was... that's a good that's a good question. Matt puts them inside the room because right. he followed his shot into the room mm-hmm. and those girls were inside the room. Mm-hmm. Again, this is where we're not talking about two different versions of the story. We're talking about two very different stories. Mm. And this version of the story, again, there's a curtain that you can not, magically not see Ford in. He's setting it up. So now when he pulls the curtain, he has to attack these two women in the hallway. And he's keeping Red in the hallway. So he's setting himself up for the big one-on-one in the room. Okay? So... Sometimes he says it depends on the interview. Sometimes he says it's two women. Sometimes he says it's three women. Again, the truth is when it's the truth, you know how many it is. These little details are always going to trip you up. He says three women in in this, and he keeps Red in the hallway. Now, he's going to go on to describe Red as a hero deserving the Medal of Honor, says these girls that he tackled he thought were suicide vests. And put his life on the line to save his. Well, let's talk about what we know of Red real quick. Uh, Red's a savage killer that's not afraid to shoot people in the face. And if he thought they were a suicide bomber, females or not, what do you think Red was going to do? Well, they would be a threat. They would be a threat, and he'd have shot them both in the face because Red's going home to his family. So he didn't... I don't believe... He, I don't believe he thought that they were suicide vests. By the way, I don't believe he thought they were in the hallway. I mean, he, that he they wasn't in the hallway when this happened. But again, let's let's keep with Rob's story. Now he's in the hallway, and he makes him out to be a Medal of Honor winner for for tackling two girls. I believe he does this because at the end of the day, he feels bad for stealing Reds. Valor who killed two of the biggest people on target and gets only credit for for one of them and does not get the credit for throwing the touchdown the game-winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl let's listen to see how much he churches up the story and praises red for for just tackling two girls We got to stop it. There. There's a lot. There, it, it 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 comes at you fast. Now he has conveniently set himself up to be the only man in this room. Mind you, twenty plus Navy SEALs on target, and he finds himself a way to be the absolute only man in the one room that Osama bin Laden is in. So, let's go back to Matt Bissonette's story. We talked about it. The one man shoots. He follows his shot. He goes in, he clears his immediate threat and takes these girls for a ride because he clears his corner. That's what tier one operators do. I've already said it. I've said it. I can say it with conviction because I've done it 100,000 times in training. I've done it thousands of times on target. It's what happens. It is instinct. Nothing stops you from it at this point. It's why you as a team leader, Rob, are on this mission because they know you have those reps. So what happens when Rob O'Neill goes into this room that because of this curtain, he doesn't know who's in there, he decides you know, there's someone in his way, what does he do? What does he do? Does he clear his corner and, and push him and, and ride him the way he does uh, that Red does with the two girls? Right. It seems to me if there's, if there's someone uh, in front of Rob O'Neill... According
1: to Rob, he just stops.
0: He just stops and admires the guy, and not only is he just stopping his track and admire the guy, and not and not do his job of clearing his corner, right? And close withing and destroying. You got you got two options: kill this guy immediately because you think he's a threat, or you take him for a ride to your corner, close with, and get to and put hands on the enemy. It's what he's been trained to do his whole life. But now he stops and he, he, he starts admiring. He goes in this weird story. He goes, "I see how tall he is. I can see his hands are, are on his wife sitting there. Um, I can see his nose. He goes on to say, "I can see his face. I can see how skinny he is. He goes on to say, "I can see the gray in his beard." Wait a minute. Is there gray in his beard? That's the problem with all these, knit, you know all these pesky facts. Matt Bissonnette, for for absolutely no reason, has already said he had a jet black beard. But I say no reason. He has no reason to. He has no reason to add that in. But it makes logical sense of why the most wanted man in America would want to change his beard color from gray to black. But Rob forgets this. And he's saying under night vision that he can see all these details. Again, it's a zero loom night, zero loom night he's within three feet of this guy. There are other interviews. He says I'm with a foot and a half, a foot and a half. Your nods don't automatically focus. You set your nods at at a a standard depth that you're comfortable with. Usually it's 10, 12, 15 feet, whatever it is. When you see something three feet away, it's out of focus. They don't autofocus. And by the way, And we'll we'll split it in half, two, two and a half feet. He said one and a half here. He says three feet here. He's under three feet. He makes that turn. Well, it's like um, you don't – he's going to say, well, I had panos on. I can see more left and right. I can see more. But it's the up and down that I have an issue with. When we show you what it looks like through nods, you can't even tell he has his hands on his wife. Can't even tell. You can't tell the color of his beard. You can't tell his nose. You can't tell any of that unless two things. One, you stop and admire for a long time. But unfortunately, Rob tells us how long it takes him to process this. He says it over and over again. He says it takes about one second. There's actually what There's one thing I have to go back uh, and address that, that I actually missed. Hopefully it's the only thing I get out of sequence about. Um, Rob O'Neill actually did an article for the Esquire called "The Shooter." It was before he came out uh, publicly, so it had been about ten years old. In his own article called "The Shooter," again with Esquire, it said they stepped over and passed Khalid, who's dead on the stairs. The point man at this time saw a guy on the third floor peeking around a curtain in front of the hallway. Bin Laden was the only adult male left to find. The point man took a shot, maybe two, and the man upstairs disappeared back into the room. He said, Rob O'Neill says, I didn't see that because I was looking back. However, he admits that we always talk about, you know, he took a shot. Who did he take that shot at? This is the only time that I have found that Rob O'Neill himself actually admits that the point man read sees Osama bin Laden at the top of the stairs and takes shots. Now, according to Rob, he conveniently misses, which is hard to believe a SEAL Team 6 operator doing, at at that close range especially. Right. And he quits mentioning this detail later on. This is early. It's not a convenient truth for him to continue to say yes the point man actually saw him first and actually took fire and actually shot at him first. You can see in the Sean Ryan interview, he makes no mention of the point man seeing bin Laden in the room and taking uh and taking one to two shots. He just quickly says, Yeah, he he took a shot and then he got anxious. I'm surprised honestly he even continues to give Red any sort of credit for taking a shot. But since no one's ever questioned him about Red's shot. Kind of. We'll see. Mm. You know, why, why, why leave it out? And he continues to leave that piece of evidence in there to say, well, in case it ever comes out, well, I said red shot. So he keeps the shot in there, but he definitely pulls out the part in the story that he shoots at Bin Laden that he himself admits to in the Esquire article. Right. He himself admits it. Unfortunately, the things that go on the Internet stay there. And uh, and we and and I'm not even sure we found them all we found a lot there's every time I look I find more stuff still waiting to find a sex tape (laughs) here we go continuing with his own words. Again, I can't help but be in awe of everything Rob O'Neill sees in one second. He immediately PIDs him. He sees that his beard's gray and not black. He sees his nose. He sees his face. He sees his height. He sees his hands on his wife's shoulders. He sees it all in one second. And you cannot come back to me and be like, well, he's saying that kind of in reference because as he's looking back, he's, he's saying, yeah, I process all that in one second and now I'm just kind of, you know, slowing the, you know, that's those, those things happened. But in hindsight, I'm realizing all that happened. Nope. He also says in this article or he also says in this video that he stands up and I took the shot. Shot him twice in the head. Rob, he was already standing. How did you know he was six foot four? You already mentioned how tall he was. He wasn't crouched down because then you couldn't mention how tall he was. If he's using his wife as a as a shield, he probably would have been crouched behind her. But again, just I'm just pointing out some things that don't make sense. But what definitely doesn't make sense is you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't be in awe of how tall he is and then say him standing up is the movement that triggered you to say, oh, he's moving. I'm shooting him twice in the face. It's always these little details are going to trip you up. Do you, you know, I don't want to speak for, do you agree with that? Are these little details important as as I'm making them out to be?
2: Right. Well, in my book, one of the, one of the things that I talk about is can you bake the cake based on the ingredients that you're being given and the ingredients that Rob is giving here uh, simply don't really add up. They don't make sense. You can't really bake the cake based on the ingredients that Rob is providing uh, uh, in this part of uh, his retelling of the event
0: something else unfortunate, unfortunate for Rob that he continues to talk about in that Esquire uh, article, The Shooter. He goes on to say, not only does he say the point man saw and shot at Osama bin Laden. Um, he says this. I'm just looking at him from right here. And then it says in parentheses, he moves his hand out in front about 10 inches. So now it's ten inches away, sometimes it's a foot and a half, sometimes it's 3 feet. He's he's never act he's never consistent how far away Bin Laden is. Again, just making a point. This is a much bigger point. He's got a gun on a shelf right there, the short AK he's famous for it, and he's moving forward. I don't know if he's got a vest on. She's being pushed a martyr for them both. He's got a gun within reach. He's a threat. I need to go ahead I need to get a headshot so he won't have a chance to clack himself off. So, 10 years ago, when he tells this story, he talks about now we're adding man, how much can this guy do in a second? Not only can he see every facial feature, height, and hand position, and PID, and blurry nods, he could also see a gun within hand's reach. Which means you have to, you have to if, if he's reaching for it or looking for it, you have to stop and you also have to refocus what he's looking at, identify that, and then come back for the shot. This isn't happening in a second. Yeah. These are details, again, that
1: yeah. don't add up.
0: The biggest thing, too, is every kind of
1: grunt, st- grunt person, you know, infantry guy, SWAT guy, guys that have any experience with night vision is the biggest the kicker for me was it's going to be blurry. Like, all of this, all these things that Brent's bringing to the table are all great, but the kicker for me is there's no way you can look at somebody for one second and go, that's him. Like, a, like a, that big of a mission where it means that much, it's just, even if they weren't blurry, I would imagine before you did that, you'd have to
0: white light flip up and look down. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, unconveniently for Rob, that's, that's exactly what Matt Bissonette says. It says when someone's shot in the head three times... It takes, it takes a little bit to, well, I mean, you're talking about like during the shot, but even after the shot, it, it, I can, again, I may not want to hang my hat on one exact thing that I'm saying, but how many points do I have to make that don't add up? How many other people do I have to bring in this conversation that do not back up Rob's and you can't say that's his version of the story because we're not talking about two versions of the same story again. We're talking about two wildly different stories. By the way, he keep he stops um, he stops mentioning the gun. Um, uh, one of the articles that's really easy to find that I read is they talk about Osama bin Laden's guns in the room, and that they were very hard to find, uh, and so um, it do, it, would, it does not coincide with him easily seeing uh, him reaching for a gun. They had to look for the guns, and they were unloaded. So um, that that. That doesn't bode well for his story, which is right. why I believe he drops that that story off, um, although it would it's a much better reason of why to shoot someone's because he's going for his gun. But unfortunately, that that uh, the specifics of his gun in the room become public and he conveniently drops that from his story. Um, let's let's go back here and finish it out.
1: He didn't like that detail. I'm telling you, I look at some of these videos. Rob does not like being giving those gritty details because he like says it, questions. and he goes right back to his story.
0: That's right. He stays in a circle. We call that staying in your circle in, in, in seer school, which is when right. seer trained. He knows exactly right. what that means. He's been trained to do that. He stays in a circle. Here's something else. He doesn't say it in that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the... the uh, We'll reference it in the podcast where he says it. And He says, I shoot right over Amal's right shoulder. Well, here's the problem. Osama bin Laden is six foot four and is a foot taller than Amal. And Amal, if, if what he's saying is true, he has his hands on his wife's shoulders. When you have your hands on someone's shoulders, it means you're directly behind them. You know, this isn't like, this isn't like a, uh, a high school photo where you like, like awkward 90s Owen Mills uh, where you, you take it. If he's using her as a shield... He's got her right in front of him for protection. Well, the problem with that is if he's six foot four, if you'd have shot over her right shoulder, you'd have hit him in a skinny little arm. You would not have hit him in the head. If you shot over her right shoulder, Mm. he's standing directly behind her. He's head and shoulders taller than her. You would have to shoot over her head to hit him in the head again. It's these pesky little details that are just going to continue to haunt Rob. There's no way he ever thought a tier one operator was going to come around and nitpick his story for truth. He's not prepared for this. Unfortunately for him, it's, uh, it's happening. And he's said too much too many times and it hasn't been consistent enough. And it's, it's, it hasn't been that hard to pick him apart. You just mm. have to pay attention. See where he goes from here. Son is now there. And this is the- By the way, hate to stop it again, but we said it before. It's worth saying twice. Um, he even says in his book, uh, it's it's common knowledge. It's said several times. Um, Amal is shot in the leg. Matt Bissonnette says every woman on target is um, is is hostile. I can go back. Just, just gonna do it. I'm gonna go back to Amal's words herself. When the Navy team entered the room, she said the Navy team. She didn't say when one Navy guy entered the room. By the way, she knew it was she can say Navy. It, this 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 was this article was taken years later. The President of the United States said the SEALs did it the night of the mission. She, I'm sure, she knows it was the Navy SEALs. When the Navy team entered the room, she says the, a whole team entered the room. Funny enough, that's what Matthew Cole says, and that's what Matt Bissonette says. She tried to rush them again. That goes exactly what Matt Bissonette says. He says every female was uh, was uppity that night, but she was shot in the leg and passed out. Do you think if she was shot in the leg, she'd just be sitting there waiting to be you know waiting to be a human shield for Osama bin Laden? It's just something else. Nothing about the story lines up and if and if people I said I said earlier I said you know and people who don't believe it there's nothing we can say that's really going to change their mind that's what they believe anyway I actually don't believe that if those people have listened to this podcast at this point it's overwhelming there's no there's no rebutting you'll be able to rebut maybe this and maybe that as a whole it's just irrefutable and we're not even done we're almost done So he does say it. She's been shot. Who shot her, Rob? You're the only person in the room.
1: Mm. I had not even put that one together. Who
0: shot her, Rob? <laughs> well,
2: what, what? Really? I mean, if you look at if you look at all the stories that you've sort of taken here, and and various stories, including Amals and and uh, Mats and and Robs. He's cross pollinating. Uh, and you and you sort of crop them together. It certainly makes sense that that uh, the point man fires. Follows his shot. Uh, he fires at Osama, who is who is at the doorway. Right. Osama falls back into the room, as Matt said. Right. Amal, as she said, then rushes the door, which kind of does make sense. Like she's kind of going to be hysterical. Right. The point man is going to be following his shot, seeing her rushing towards him. What's he going to do? He's going to fire at her, I would assume.
0: I and this is just this is just you know me piecing it together again from all the stories right. I've heard. I I believe that's close. I believe it's very close. I, be, I don't believe Red Shot her on the leg. I believe he he was these boys are quick. Tier 1 operators are quick. When he decided to take that shot in the doorway, Osama falls back, he's moving, he's gone. He's yeah. in that room. He <laughs> takes those two girls for a ride. Um uh, you know to to his corner and it and whoever the unlucky operator that she decided to uh well, unlucky for her. That she decided to rush, uh, you know, sh- shot her in, shot her in the leg. But I can tell you who it wasn't. He better not come out and say, "Well, Red probably shot her." I said Red shot, and Red probably shot her in the leg. You're telling me again. It goes back to a tier. Like it doesn't pass the tier one sniff test by a long shot. You're telling me we don't we don't train guys to to shoot people uh, in the leg. I don't know why she was shot in the leg. But where she was, he sees someone at a distance. We shoot people in the chest and the face. Red's been doing it all night. Now, all of a sudden, if he tries to say that Red did it, now... If he tries to say Red did it, now he goes from a guy who in a split second can shoot a guy in the stairs between the eyes, and then he can shoot Osama bin Laden in in a second in the chest... And then he just loses the ability to shoot, and he shoots a chick in the leg. Could, could, could Rob argue that that's maybe the shot, that red shot that went through the curtain
1: and uh, hit her in the leg? Like that, I, 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 it's, well, it the, prob- the
2: problem with that becomes, like Brent said, then how is she standing up as a shield if she's shot in the leg? Mm, yeah,
1: it's just, <laughs>
2: I mean, it just, yeah. that just that totally doesn't add up then.
0: <laughs> that is the problem with lies. You, you, you will be caught eventually, and he's caught. Let's stop there for a second real quick. He says he shoots him in the face twice, once in the ground for a third time. And then he watches him, goes back to a little bit of Showtime, Rob, watches him take his last breath. If you watch his, 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 his other podcast, which we already um, uh, alluded to, and that is the interview with uh, Joe Budden. He goes into great detail talking about why it's so important to shoot suicide uh, vests, suicide bombers in the face. Is because you get this you know immediately this immediate kill he, he, he talks about it himself we shoot people in the face because it gives you what we call a central nervous system shutdown it immediately ceases everything the best thing you'll get is maybe an involuntary switch uh, a twitch right um, which is kind of what you got from Osama bin Laden that they talk about because he's shot in, uh, in the chest uh, you get that from that. Generally speaking, you so you shoot someone especially three times with these types of special rounds these guys use. I've I haven't seen anything but just people drop and not another movement. And so now you're telling me not, he didn't just like crumple to the ground. He's in this position and you're just staring and looking over his body and he takes this movie like last breath. It's it, it you know almost like you know, cutscene. Which what struck it's, me it's about
2: it. what struck me about it is this is one crowded bedroom. Well, it's not right
0: now. Right now, he's just got himself in there.
2: Well, you got you got three people that the point person took out. Oh, well, that's, took not, that's
0: well, he said three people. That's and, not in the bedroom. In right. his story, he conveniently puts. Well, where were puts, they? He, they were somewhere. He puts the point man into the hallway. With three people, he's the only one that puts the point man in the hallway.
2: And then there's then there's two people in the bedroom, and a, apparently a two year old. Correct. Yep. As well, and then again, it would be really, really unclear as to when them all got shot. If he moved right. her then out of the way,
0: when did she get shot? That's. The the magical bullet that, that flew up the stairs and shot them all is gonna be is gonna be is gonna be tough to answer. And these only two answers is that is that red is a horrible shot and shot her, or there are other people in that room that shot her. That's an inconvenient truth. My bigger problem with this is that he's standing over a guy that he just shot and he's watching him take this mythical last breath. But what he's not doing is if you're the only man left in this room is continuing to collapse your sector. And clear this room. Again, that's something only a tier one guy. Right. You're not right. just tier. That's a basic CQB principle. But it's something that, that jumps out at a tier one guy who knows the basics, that knows that these basics have been drilled into you and you don't stop doing them. Well, and that's what Matt said when Matt when Matt
2: was relating uh, this, this same part of the incident, um, which is. Continue. Man is down. Not sure who he is, but, but man is down. We're going to go ahead and, and you know, we, we put some more rounds down right. um, on him and then continue to clear the room. Right. And that sort of rings more true. And it rings to what the training is. Right. Uh, right.
0: And again, I can't speak to that. Right. But, but I you can validate it can. for you. Now, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Let's let's. Uh, but his the, the, the big ending isn't over yet. you have your humanity moment uh, uh, um, does not explain how you're the only man in the room anyway I I, <laughs> I can't I can't get over that I have to stop right there. A lot of things I said um where I say like this this jumps out at me, like this isn't true, this jumps out at me, this isn't true. The biggest thing that I I will probably have a hard time relaying um to, to people who weren't in this community and don't understand team leaders are gods in a tier one team unit, okay. He's been on, he says, uh, self-proclaimed 400 missions. Don't doubt it. I said before, this man is an American hero. He's a, he's a war hero. He's done things. He has seen things. He has done great things over and over and over and over and over for this country. Not only did he do it in war, he did it in training over and over and over and over so he could do it in war. Right. He's on this mission, as he says, because he was, he was, he was picked to be on this mission. He was good enough to be on this mission. And on the biggest stage, you forget what to do. He has this, what I call, tactical amnesia. And by the way, the mission magically stops, apparently, right now, in this story, because that's kind of how this... Uh, I don't know if he's writing his own movie, and this is how he wants it to end, and thinks this is a good ending. I've already explained that this is one of four rooms and, uh, up, upstairs. One of four rooms. Now, between him... We'll go back, we'll just jump back and forth between history story and reality. He says by the time he gets in that room, it takes him about a second to shoot Osama bin Laden in the face, regardless of everything else he he says, he sees, and does. Okay? And then he moves a kid over to the bed, moves them all out of the way, moves a kid to the bed. All this can happen in just a matter of seconds. And now Navy SEALs are flooding into the room and they're not continuing to clear. Which means in a matter of seconds. He's gone from alone to the whole third floor cleared. Do you, do you follow? Do you follow what the, the point I'm trying to make? Right. So well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Certainly doesn't add up. Um. Let's take this story with Matt Bissonnette and the other story that I've heard personally from them is that it's a whole whole group of guys going to the third floor. Well, then yes, each fl- each room will kind of be taken down within a matter of seconds of each other. Right. But again, you can't have it both ways. You can't be by yourself, and then the and then the mission be basically over, right? Uh, it, and you, you you can't have it that way. It's just it's just not the truth. So you either by yourself, or you have or you have a large group of people, and they're with you. Uh, again, it just goes back to doesn't make tactical sense. Besides that, he forgets his job. He shoots a guy in the in the face three times, moves a kid, and then. He's 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 overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know that every mission in his life, when sector, when the mission is over, that you go to SSE. Do you find that to, to be odd that he just forgets his job? And he says this. He, he says it. He says, my man, I you know, you know. My, man, you know, one of my, my, you know, one of my men come up to me. So he's proving ownership. He's proving that I, I'm in a person ab- ab- above him in ownership, if you will. I'm the team leader, uh, superior to this guy, because that's why he doesn't address him as and one of the guys on the mission, another guy. One of my men come up to me and says, "Are you okay? I have never shot a guy on target <laughs> and had and had one of my lower IC men." come up to me and be like <laughs> you, good, brent? you just killed a terrorist are you okay brent <laughs> it's what we're there to do it's what he's done a lot i believe rob's killed a lot of people and i believe he's been proud of probably every kill as he, as he should have but now he doesn't know what to do and it doesn't make when you hear it and you hear and you hear it as a story you don't think anything of it when you hear this story as a tier one operator absolutely not And now that I have you guys thinking in this, you know, in this way, does that make sense? No,
2: no, it doesn't make sense. It's great to add to drama, but I think it's it's way too early to be certain that the person that you just shot is really Osama. I know that may have been the intel, but intel is one thing. But you don't really know that that is Osama bin Laden. Um, At that point, in that moment, in that second, if you will, you may in hindsight, but in that moment, you're not going to know that for sure, for certain,
0: which is again, what Matt Bissonnette said that when you you don't, you don't know, you don't know. And you continue, you continue to do the job, which is exactly what Matt said. Right. And Rob O'Neill, I guarantee you knows the job to be done. So I do not buy this part of the story. Let's see what else he says. (laughs) <laughs> Again, he's one of your guys, and he just told you as a team leader to get the fucking work? No, sir. I've never told a Delta Force team leader to get the fucking work. No. Absolutely not. That's not how, it's not how it works, okay? Yeah, this, he yeah. doesn't get tactical amnesia. That's not even the bigger. That's something that jumps out at me as a tier one guy. Uh, I don't think anyone else will realize what a big deal that is. The fact that this guy blacked out room, blacked out night, zero loom night, no lights on, all this, I've already proved, all this has happened in a matter of seconds. If we go along with Rob's um, story, you just shot him in the face three times, and he's, he's, doesn't, he's not laying out flat so you could see he's six foot four. He's crumpled with his face canoed. And you're telling me this guy walks into the room, sees a random person crumpled over with his face absolutely split open and says, your life's about to change. You just killed Osama bin Laden. You buying that? No, sir. What do you got? You, you want to buy that?
1: Mm, no. I mean, I just from from the get go, I, I don't see how anybody could be within the first 30 minutes know for sure that that's Osama bin Laden. Yeah, that's,
2: that's, a, that's an awfully big thing to, to, to just put out there if you're not certain. And I think, again, you want to be certain, uh, in, especially in this situation. So I think it's way too early. Uh, again, and, and I'm not a tactical guy. I'm not a SWAT guy or anything like that. But I just think that just in a common sense uh, framework here, I think that it's way too early to be making a positive ID or a positive call on something like that. Uh, certainly, in this situation, it's way yep. way and again, too early.
0: From being on missions and doing this job, it won't take thirty minutes. But it's, it's gonna it's gonna take a it's gonna take a few minutes. It's gonna take some water on the face, which they talk about doing. It's gonna take people putting his face back together. It's gonna take people because they probably do maybe they don't have a measurement on him. They're gonna lay him out to see how tall he is. All of this is going to happen before now. The team is gonna say we got him like way before they give you know that that official which may take minutes official. and minutes sure. and minutes. Absolutely. But no how, no way does it does it happen the way Rob says it is. A guy just walks in, sees a guy on the floor, magically identifies him with three holes in his head crumpled over, and then gives him a congratulatory. Your life's about to change. You just killed Osama bin Laden. It's funny because it's good for it's good for a movie. It's a great movie. It's great ending. for a movie. Unfortunately Rob doesn't even believe that story because in twenty fifteen He's probably hoping I didn't find this. He's talking to Lipscomb College, Lipscomb University in 2015, before, before, he, before I guess he, he polishes up his story. And he says this.
1: You might have to paraphrase that one because the audio kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: that audio is really low, but we will leave the link to this. Again, he forgets his job, which is amazing to me. Uh, but what he says in here is the guy goes, well, what do we do now? He goes, well, we go find the computers like we always do. He's, very, he's, he's, he's in a circle, but then he gets out of a circle a little bit, and he tells the person, hey, did you see what I just did? That person doesn't tell him. Hey, your life's about to change. You just shot a bit in Salman bin Laden, and this story you tell him, you had to tell him. Hey, did you see what I just did? We're not talking about two small versions. Those are two wildly different versions. Yeah. I would the truth. If someone telling the truth would never tell that story, right? That ending because it's not how it happened. Either someone talked to you, or they didn't. Either someone thinks your life's about to change because you shot Osama Bin Laden, that's not something you forget. But in 2015, when he's actually the closest to the actual to the mission incident, happened, right. to the incident, he forgets, apparently he forgets what the guy says. Or we're having the same reoccurring problem that the truth is really uh, is, is when if you don't tell the truth, it's really hard to remember all the details. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what we continue to find.
1: And it's so, and these are, again, you said it, these are so, such minute details, but they're key, and that right there, just that little story,
0: there's two stories. He told them, and then he got told. Exactly. These are, a a small town detective would start pulling at these strings <laughs> you know, in, in an interrogation room and make him look and really make him look silly.
2: And again, you know, looking at it from the, to the totality of the circumstance, it's just, it's just way too early to be certain that the person that you just shot is Osama bin Laden, which is exactly, again, going back to Matt's story, which is exactly the way Matt right. uh, termed it. It's, it's, it's way too early, uh, seconds literally seconds after
0: a shooting, uh, to know that for sure that that's the guy that you just shot. And if he's not going to be happy about me pulling up the Lipscomb University one, He's really not going to like this one. This is one I'm sure he wishes would just go away. He's probably happy that it was a 60 Minutes Australia interview. He, I'm guessing, he probably maybe he did the Australia interview because Matt Bissonnette beat him to the 60 Minutes, you know, America interview. He does the 60 Minutes Australia interview, and like I said, and it's funny you mentioned it, uh, that he doesn't do well uh, when he when he gets questioned, you know. And by and what you mean by that, what you said is he immediately goes back in a circle. He does. He doesn't want to get off. He doesn't want to get off topic. He probably learned. Excuse me. He probably learned that the hard way in 2017 talking to 60 minutes. This is my
1: favorite interview. Australia. Ever. And this is what we're going to need. Definitely. This one, yeah.
0: this one, to be honest with you, is, is, it's hard to watch. We don't need an expert for this one, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad he's here. Let's, Let's see how uh, Rob does what he's questioned about his story.
1: You see that, that blank stare for like a second and a half.
0: I, I have to, let me just walk through it just for a second. And then I want, then I want to give it over uh, to you. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure you may, you may have a, uh, an opinion about this, but let's just I think he actually starts his stuttering when he gets questioned about, should you have come out? He's very uncomfortable with uh, With with, that, with that question. And so he's already on his heels.
3: Uh, when I saw him lying, he was not hit. He was standing at two feet, and so I—I've I, I, got
0: to assume I shot him. Shot the first two, three times. I—it's I, it's painful to watch, honestly. You know him struggle that hard. He goes from always when he's when he's in his when he's in his, when he's in rhythm. He goes, uh, you know, I shot him in the face twice, two to the face. He fell. I shot him a third time uh, in the head, and I moved him all. Um, and in fact, even the moving amal story is off. There's other stories where he says Amal fell into my arms. there's stories where he says as I moved a all, I shot him well, you, you can't do both and there's other stories where he says uh, you know I moved him I moved them all and I shot him he's, he's, he's wildly inconsistent with the Amal story but he's very consistent with with him taking three shots and now he doesn't know if he took two or three shots and now he has to assume that osama bin laden was was not hit before he got there every you know you show this you know that you show a 2023 2022 interview of of rob o'neill unquestioned and he's he's polished um you you get this thing a few years earlier and you question him it seems like he falls apart What's, what's your take from it?
2: Well, as you pointed out, Brent, you really don't have to be a, a, a deception expert to see uh, the stress and anxiety there, which, again, the, the key, of course, whenever you look at something like that, the key is putting uh, the, the stress or anxiety in context. And in context of this t- this particular question, you have deception because that's, that's what you have uh, here. And it's littered uh, with deception. Uh, not only do you have a very high blink rate, you have an ex- you have several extended blinks, uh, which is a sign of anxiety. Again, that in context is deception, uh, because he knows he has to be deceptive there. And uh, you have uh, he says the he says the personal pronoun I seven times I counted in the, in the first ten seconds. And then of course you have you have the stuttering. Uh, then the part of course about well I have to I have to assume I assume that I'm the one. Well why would you have if if what you're saying is why would you have to assume you you were there uh and if you took the shots then why would you have to assume and now he's saying that uh again which is which is definitely a contradiction of the previous uh version or or subsequent anyway version of the event i don't know which which interview came first uh that the point man didn't shoot
0: which is in direct conflict to what rob has stated previously or subsequent right he he, i'm I've seen this a couple of times and he bounces back and forth and he goes and, and he goes, well, he didn't shoot. Well, he didn't shoot when I was there as if to kind of cover his basis, you know, a, about him shooting or not shooting. He just couldn't be any more wishy washy during this whole process. Once, once, once he gets questioned.
2: Yeah. He's no, he's obviously the, the, the question and it's not even a difficult question. It's a question that, uh, the interviewer asked here and, uh, Obviously, a deceptive response, no question about that. in fact, I'm going to use that in my class, really. Oh yeah, there's no question yeah uh,
0: I don't not, not uh, thank you for your time and not be offensive, but you weren't you weren't there.
2: How can you have an opinion on it? <laughs> because that's what that's what we do
1: It's funny because Rob's stories conflict Rob's stories more than any other stories
0: uh, right that, that's absolutely you know, right. absolutely true
1: when someone when someone tells a truthful
2: story, when someone tells a truthful version of an event. Um, there's no problem with additional details being mentioned in the story as long as those details don't contradict or conflict Correct. with the previous version of the event by the same person. And you don't expect multiple people of the same event to give you the lockstep same version because they have different perspectives, and that's fine. But it's when it's when that a story A cannot be true if story B is true. Yeah. Right. that's when you have to have to resolve uh, the issue, and. Um, yeah, th- that, that is certainly littered with deception. You don't have to be a de- a, an expert, like I said, with, with a statement analysis or body language to see the deception it's, there.
1: Well, it's, it's really good to have someone put
2: it and articulate how, because we just knew. You right. Know, we knew he was lying. Oh, but- sure. Yeah listen, I always tell people that to take my class, right? Um, it's one thing to know that someone, oh, yeah, you, you think that someone is being deceptive, but the difference in having this training or having that background is you can articulate exactly why it is, where the deception is, and there's no question, not just the stuttering, the, the, the heavy blink rate, the extended blinks, which is not something he was doing beforehand. This is totally yeah. triggered by this question. Uh, and the heavy use of the personal pronoun "I." People don't just talk like that. It's you, you know you're under high anxiety or or, or uh, uh, stress, and it's I I, I I I I and it's a stutter, and it's a high use of the personal pronoun "I."
0: Well, that's. Uh- I hope we did a good job of you know really laying this out. I hope everyone stayed with us like you know during this this, this is a little bit longer podcast than, than you normally no, do. But I felt this it is going to be fun. I felt it important <laughs> to come back on your podcast, and it's where it started. It's where you know it's where I felt like it should continue. I feel like this is honestly
1: this is probably just the beginning. If I had to guess, um, not saying it's going to blow up and you know Fox News is going to be covering it, but I do believe that. This is starting to open a lot of doors. And if to anybody listening or watching, if you could get not be upset that you were lied to and don't let that cloud just critical thinking, because everybody you got, you know, if if everybody was open to this, Sean Ryan would have to be like, fuck, I just did one of my best episodes off no. a lie. Uh, we met or not met, what, not met, but we went to, you know, street cop training where He did a huge, I killed Bin Laden speech for an hour. And uh, thousands of cops were like, oh my God, it's Robin!" Stood and gave him a
0: standing applause. and every line to take pictures
1: with him. Everybody's going to have to go, okay, I'm not. uh,
0: If you're going to be mad at anybody, don't be mad at the messenger. And that's not a And he's going to come back and say it. That's not a jealousy thing. I looked at that not as a jealousy. Oh, I wish that was me. I was in the Delta Force. It was disgusting to me that that many people believe that that's the truth and I knew differently from his own teammates and from the other men that were on that mission do not twist this into something that it's not i'll tell you one more thing i, I actually kind of didn't know if i was going to mention it or not but I, but i will let me tell you something an innocent person doesn't do they don't they don't text the podcast and say Hey, uh, why would you say that about me? I'm paraphrasing this. Uh, you can you can post it from Rob O'Neill and say we need to talk about this. There's a way uh, that both of us can win. Yeah. So is that
1: what he said? Well, so one thing I, I I've told people in in messaging that I, I won't ever post uh, uh, an inbox a direct message. I, that's that's more my moral compass. I won't ever, no matter what but I will talk about it. And what he said was, was really like, he was upset. Like, How could you guys do this? You know, it was like something. And uh, I, and I said, Hey man, well, we want to talk. And yeah, essentially he said, you know, we can, you know, we can all prosper. I don't know how he thought it was going to happen. Like how, if you were going to lead him in and then let him go, but
0: I don't know. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I understand that you may think it, you know, it, dirty to do that but then but then you're no better than the seal team six guys who knew the truth but wouldn't stand next to me with it not to put you on the spot but i can't sit here and say yeah robin he actually messaged you and said hey you know we need to talk about this we can we can both we can both profit from it or I don't, you know, you'd have to remember the words he used, yeah i don't remember you exactly use we can you know we can both come out ahead on this I'll, I'll challenge you to, to, to think about that. Otherwise I'm, it's just, it goes back to, Oh, you know, Brent said something. And, but then, but then can't back it up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's as, and All right. no pressure. But I,
2: and I just want to say, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't know Brent. Uh, I didn't know Brent before this. Brent simply asked me to knowing my background or hearing about my background and skills, asked me to take a look at it. And I did. Um, and I'll tell you what, if I would have found no signs of deception, I would have come in and said, I I don't see any signs of deception. Uh, but it's not, again, it's not just when you're, when you're talking about, um, the validity of somebody's story, you also look at consistencies and is the story consistent? A truthful story is consistent. And again, not to say that different details can't be added or, or additionally, that that's fine. As long as they don't conflict with or, or contradict, uh, another version of the event, particularly again, by the same person then you have then you have uh, uh, issues as well from a consistency standpoint.
0: well yeah. this is this is the, this is the last thing I, I want to say and I think it's a, the best way to to win this podcast. I opened it up this way. yes I, I made a couple comments you know of, of making a, a few jokes or, or light of this conversation because you know you, you, you go through this you keep it a little bit lively um, But the truth is Rob this this isn't personal. And I know you're going to look at this and you're immediately going to say, hey, how do I, you know, how do I go in damage control? How do I, you know, how do I cover this up or you know, how do I move from here? And the truth is you, you don't have to. Man, you've been living with this for 10 years. And I know you've always been worried the truth is going to come out and, and it always has, but it's never really caught. Um, it's never really caught traction. This is going to This is going to catch traction. I'm here to tell you. And I know you feel cornered and you don't know like, how do, how do I get out of this? Hey, America loves a redemption story. You can come out. I will come out. You're right. There is a way we can, we can both come out ahead on this. I will be right next to you as a Delta, a tier one operator in arms, an army guy and a Navy guy. And I will stand next to you when you tell the truth and be like, man, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the truth just kind of got away, got away from me. And I started down this road. I never intended. I'll sit there next to you and give you a huge hug. I'll take you out for a beer. This is, this is not personal. Rob, I've messed up in my life. I am far from perfect to sit here and call you out for not being perfect. That is not what it is. I know you think you have this legacy that you feel is going to crumble. You're opening up a brewery, you know, Who's going to come to a brewery of a guy who wasn't honest about it? Who's going to, you know, they have my uniform at the at the Twin Tower Memorial of the guy who killed bin Laden. I'm telling you, more importantly, you're a father and you have to look at your kids and tell your kids by looking in the eye that, hey, there was a time when the hard right was the hardest thing you ever did in your life. But you look at them, you say, "But you know what? I, I, I did the right thing," and I'm here to tell you, as a community, you you don't have to be shunned. Uh, I will I will guarantee I can guarantee you right now the Delta Force community welcome back with open arms, and I'm positive the SEAL Team Six community will as well. Please, it's not too late. You can come out. You can tell the story, like it is. And I assure you, you will not be punished for doing the right thing.
1: And if you don't, Brent will kill me, take my phone, and post your DMs. (laughs) It's not true.